One of the many benefits of mindfulness practice that I become reacquainted with again and again and revisit it on a regular basis, and it has been has been incredibly helpful and incredibly healing, and that is the aspect of if I am paying attention to my thoughts and realizing what it is that I am thinking about, one of the things that I have found uh, over the decades that I have engaged in this practice, and this is just for me as as one uh, individual, not uh, not saying. Uh, that this is something that is a uh, has been, is or has been a struggle for anyone else, but for me, one of the things that really has gotten in my way, or how I have gotten in my own way, uh, in the middle of life while it is all happening, uh, and also just on my own, has been all of the thoughts that I have been thinking about myself. In other words, uh, really thinking about who I am and if. I'm thinking about who I am. I can almost say that with with a uh, with a uh, complete degree of certainty, at least for me, that I if I, if I am caught up and very busy thinking about who I am, or in this case, who I think I am, uh, which is very different from who I am. I really still have very no very little or no idea for sure uh, who I actually am. Uh, but I know that that whole concept or that whole mental construct, uh, that uh, if there is an infrastructure in place, and I feel like this is sort of a mental infrastructure uh, of sorts for me anyway, has is been, it is built from the bricks and mortar of this. In other words, who I am is really who I think I am and what my uh, uh, regular and repetitive thought uh, ha- or have re- repetitive habits of thought about who I think I am that occur over and over again. And the more that I think them and the more that I believe them, and that is really what I have found has been the, the, the key to sustaining this ongoing pattern, this ongoing neural habit of thinking, I think I know who I am. If I believe it, then I really have bought into it in a way. I'm giving it time and energy because of the fact that I actually believe it. And if I believe it, then the question really remains, and I have done uh, quite a bit of work with this over the years, is asking the question, what do I get out of this? What is, what is the payoff for me in terms of, of thinking these thoughts about who, I, you know, about who I am or who I think that I am? And another thing that I have found, uh, another uh, struggle has been that if I really believe that I know who I think that I am, then I also uh, have some notions, and it, go, it, it almost goes hand in hand with this, and with a lot of people that I've spoken with over the years, that if there are thoughts about who I think I am, then there's also thoughts about who I think I should be, that there's somehow this and sometimes it's very quiet. Sometimes it's very subtle and it's in the background. There is this uh, silent judgment. Sometimes not so silent. Sometimes it is uh, right out there, right out front, so to speak, and uh, more in the foreground than the background are those thoughts about who I think that I should be. If I am not really happy with who I think that I am, which again is just a construct of thought and it really limits me uh, to who, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm nobody else. In other words, I'm no one else other than who I think that I am. 
And so what I have found is this has led to this entire web that gets weaved, so to speak, or, uh, or spun, however that is, that somehow I also, uh, if I am really, really caught up in believing that I think that I know who I think that I am, and then there are these notions about who I think I should be, then it almost goes hand in hand with the thought process or the habit of thought of, of being very concerned about what I think other people think about me and who they think that I am. And sometimes over the years, I have, have uh, become very aware of really, if I'm not sure who I am, I can almost look in someone's eyes and I can look at their reactions and I can find the answer that I'm looking for. And the, 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 the challenge with that or the limitation of that is that it's not really who they think that I am. It's who I think that they think that I am. And I don't really, I'm not purposely trying to speak in a circular fashion uh, or turn this into a uh, 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 sort of a puzzle to, uh, to figure out using words. But that really is, is I, I can't find any other way to express that, that it, you know, this, this all has its roots in, this all has its origins in the one habit of just believing that I know who I think I, that I am. And from there, it's really, it's up to each individual how far we're going to take that. And for me, I found that it got very convoluted. The, uh, the infrastructure uh, was definitely very well built out. And in the midst of all that, uh, because I was really operating from that place, I was so wrapped up in thinking that I knew who I was and it changed. That's the other part of this that I found made it even more challenging is that it was a moving target, so to speak. Uh, one moment I might think that I am this person. The next moment, depending on my uh, physiology and just depending on my emotions that I was feeling, uh, one moment I could be feeling really, really good about myself. And then another moment I could be feeling really badly about myself and really down on myself in some way. And so what I found was there, there was this constant, ever-changing reference point, and I was never able to find any sort of stable reference point to answering the question, who am I? And uh, it was only when I began to really see that this, uh, this habit of thought, this, uh, this neural habit, uh, is something that can actually limit me not only it can actually prevent me from getting any sense of who I really am. And then second of all, I can, it can also take me away from the here and now, the present moment, where I find myself, however I find myself. And the longer that I have worked with this and paid attention to all of these thoughts about who I think that I am and who I think that I should be, and of course you know, who I think that other people think that I am. And that also changes. I found that if I'm feeling really good about myself, I may have some sort of internal trigger. The way that someone looks at me or the way that they speak to me or the way that they relate to me, which really has nothing to do at all with who, who I am or anything that I might be doing or not doing. But yet, uh, if there are, if there are unresolved emotions in me, and there are triggers, and I find that most people, all of us, 
Uh, I can't say that all of us, but I, what I should say here is that all of the people that I have met and come across in some way or another, we're all human and we, we have, we have those triggers that actually come from uh, earlier trauma in our lives and things that affect us. And so we walk around with that and I'm looking to other people thinking that they have somehow have the answer. I, and what's and what's so what's so weird about it is I'm not necessarily going around asking anyone who am I who do you think that I am, but yet somehow I uh, I've, I've talked myself into believing the thought that somehow I can see I can see from other people their reactions to me and and who they and sometimes in some cases some people do tell others who they th- they think that these other people are. And those are thoughts that get shared. And then if they, if I hear that thought shared, then I'm going to have my thinking about the thoughts that they're having. And the most important point I want to make here is that this is all about thinking, that this is all very, very much relative in terms of reality, that it is just based on the, uh, the judgments and thoughts and my perspective. And because of the, of the fact that it is, as a human being, it is very difficult to tap into uh, absolute reality and, re- and realizing the difference between absolute and relative reality that, you know, with relative reality, it is just based on my perspective. In other words, what I, how I think that it is, uh, who I think that I am or who I think that others are, comes from, it is informed by wherever I'm standing uh, in space and time. And it also has to do with my past conditioning and my past experiences. So if that is the case, then I I don't think that I am really a reliable source of information, not only for whom I think others are, but also for uh, who I think I am as well. And over time, what I found is that mindfulness practice really allowed me to, first of all, just become aware that these were, that I was thinking these thoughts. And it wasn't about analyzing them. It wasn't about developing a plan to get rid of them or minimize them or replace them with other kinds of thoughts or to even try to think about anything else. What it really allowed me to do was to see that I am thinking and it allowed me to become aware of that. And without changing anything, without trying to improve myself, without trying to become someone who doesn't think or without changing anything at all, just the mere awareness of being able to be a witness to my own thoughts and to realize that I, I'm believing them because I'm the one. And first of all, to realize that I'm believing these thoughts was revolutionary for me. And it, and it really changed the game in so many ways. And then if I could start to see that there was almost this automaticity, there was almost just this knee jerk reaction. If I think something, then of course, if I'm the one thinking it, of course, I believe it because why wouldn't I? It's, 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 I'm thinking it. And to let go of the need to believe anything that I'm thinking about what I'm feeling has really allowed all of this infrastructure, all of these notions that I'm carrying around in my head about who I am and who I think others are and who I think they think I am, it all starts to relax. And that's really what I've experienced. And even over the past three or four years after doing a lot of work with this, and when I say doing a lot of work with it, it's also... In a lot of cases, it's not doing a lot of work with it. It's just being aware of it. And I've found that really I can't, there's no work that I can do to change this uh, to the point that it no longer ever happens. 
what I find is that really when I speak about the work, the work really has come from just going back and being able to be aware of how I, you know, how and where I find myself. In other words, I, I can't solve the mystery. I can't go back and put all the pieces of the puzzle together about how I became someone who habitually thinks about who I think that I am and how I think that I should be, uh, it di- how I could be, how I could and should be different and who I think other people think that I am. And so at some point, the work really has become more about just being in these moments and realizing that I'm doing this again, so to speak. If I, ca- if I catch myself thinking these thoughts, it's not about judging myself or beating myself up emotionally or you know, putting a check mark in a ledger somewhere or in a, in a book, in a record book. It's really just about being aware of, okay, this is, you know, I'm starting down this path again. And so really the work itself has been about being more aware. And when I am just doing the work of being aware of practicing mindfulness, it is just being here for whatever arises. And sometimes I don't like what arises. Sometimes what are, you know, the thoughts that arise do not feel good. Uh, They do not lead me to a place of peace or happiness or joy. And that's okay because once I'm aware of it, then what actually stops happening is I, I begin to stop believing these thoughts. And in the absence of belief, I have found that these thoughts begin to release the hold that they have on me. And suddenly my reference point for everything really changes from this is the way that I think it is to just, okay, this is the way that it is without me even needing to tell myself how it is, where I'm just, I'm in the present moment wherever I find myself without any need to tell myself any stories about it. I may have some observations that come up involuntarily. There may be things that I perceive, but I also find that if I can just relax into the, the natural innate human ability to just be here and to perceive and to feel things and to just let it happen, however it happens, however it presents itself, Uh, What I find is in that relaxing of being, so to speak, or relaxing into being that, and there again, I'm not trying to change myself. I'm not, I'm not, and I want to clarify this because it's so important. I'm not trying to become a person who relaxes more into being. And I, and and I, I, and I hope this isn't circular uh, in any way or confusing in any way. But it is, it, this is really for me, the practice has been about not even trying to become the person who is here now or who is present. What it really has been about is simply being aware of the thoughts. And then once I can just see them as passing phenomena, they come and these thoughts come and these thoughts go, that at some point, I don't know if there's any magic way to change where my awareness is. But at some point, if I'm no longer spending all of my time and energy uh, believing these thoughts that I'm having, then they say they tend to be more like path, like my guru used to say, like passing show. They're here one moment and then they're gone. And then I can just naturally be here without trying to be here. And I think that it is probably one of the most unappreciated and possibly the, the the relatively speaking, the, the, the least discovered innate 
quality of human beings is for us that we have this innate ability to just be here and to be present. And so when I speak about the work, the work is really is really not even like work. Yes, of course, I will say that, you know, in the beginning, sitting down and committing to a practice of sitting still uh, in a way that's comfortable, but that is conducive to just being aware of one's own thoughts and utilizing various meditative practices to to help calm the mind. I really can't, I I don't know if myself or anyone else can calm our minds. But what I find is that through engaging in these in these meditative healing practices, and there are many of these available, and a lot of it has to do with paying attention to breathing and observing things and noticing things, and there's all kinds of, this is what they refer to as objects of meditation, and there's no one right way. There is just what is right for each of us, that if we can begin to engage in a, in a meditative practice to calm the mind first, and then to begin to pay attention to these thoughts, it does feel like work. But over time, what I found is that it really doesn't feel like work. After a while, it just becomes a way of life. It just becomes, I don't even want to refer to it as a habit because at some point it doesn't, I don't even have to do it. It's not about, I need to practice any longer. It's about by training my awareness, by training my mind to, to pay attention to itself and to begin to see what is happening in any given moment, that over time, what happens is the mind begins to, the new neural pathways begin to develop. And what I find is that this mindfulness that is spoken of so much, that it, it tends to start happening on its own. And so it, in the beginning, it is work until it isn't any longer. And at some point, yes, there are certainly things that I do discover that do take some work to over time to unpack, so to speak, and to really, you know, some of these things that have just, you know, become baggage in my life that I've been carrying around. And there really is no right or wrong way to work with that. But the idea is to be here and to feel it and however it feels. And I know sometimes these emotions do not feel positive and they don't feel good. But what I find is that this is all, these are all, these are all clues leading to what it is that can, that can be released and that can be healed. And some of these things I have found that there again, even if I become aware of something that's getting in my way, how I'm tripping myself up, so to speak, I may not be able to remove that obstacle from my path completely myself. It may be more about me just being willing to let go of whatever it is. And to let go of all the thoughts that are around it that are sort of supporting it continuing to be an obstacle in my life. And like the old teaching uh, that I remember receiving in elementary school, you know, it's all about people, places, and things. And that just came to me intuitively in the moment that these obstacles in our lives so many times are people, places, and things. And it's about realizing that I don't necessarily, I can't, necessarily even always know what those obstacles are all i can really do i can't really solve the mystery of this that's the other part of this is that i can't really figure it all out and at some point me needing to figure it all out is just yet another thought in my head it's another notion and another belief that i've been carrying around and so what i find is over time what this really feels like is if you envision a large building built of bricks And imagine that each one of these bricks 
is a representation of a belief that that is uh, formed around a thought, or or in this case, a repetitive thought. And really, when I think about beliefs, they really are just a component of thoughts. In other words, thoughts. You know, there it's it's hard to really have thoughts without beliefs unless I can just be aware of the thoughts and not identify with them. And then I and then I let go of my need to be the person that's thinking this. And so if I'm the one thinking it, I believe it. If I'm not identifying as the person having this thought, and I'm not even identifying as anyone related to this thought, if it's it becomes very impersonal. If my thoughts can, if I can allow my thoughts to become less personal, and I realize that it's it's it takes a little bit of oh, it takes openness to uh, getting more comfortable with this, and there's no handbook for this. But what I find is there is no. Uh, ABCs or one, two, threes. There's no rules for this. What I find is that with so many people that I have worked with and have, and and have shared this with over the years, that the process takes on a life of its own. And all I really have to do, in other words, all I really am responsible for is basically showing up, just being here now, just being in the present moment and being aware of these thoughts and being able to allow them to arise and not to be afraid of them to arise and let them dissipate on their own and just really be here and stay tuned in to what is going on right now and to be open what one of my teachers referred to as welcoming what arises. And I know that if I'm really busy identifying as the person thinking these thoughts and if these thoughts really do not feel good and I begin to develop beliefs around them uh, welcome, it's very hard to welcome something that I don't like. It's very hard to welcome something that I don't, ex- that I don't accept. It's very difficult to welcome something that is painful for me. And what I find is that if I just continue to stay with the awareness and just allowing myself to let some room to be created, and the more that I sit with these thoughts and pay attention to them, but not hold on to them and not judge them and not analyze them, and just let them come and go, the more expansive my, uh, my, uh, my being can become, the more that I can, this field of awareness can grow larger and larger and have more room. And at some point it does become easier to welcome the things that are not so pleasant. Because I know that if I am bracing against those things and if I don't like those things, or even if I hate those things, and I totally reject those things that don't feel good, those really at the end of the day are just thoughts and then there's beliefs formed around them. And at some point I'm just defending myself or running away from something that doesn't make me feel good. And what to me is so amazing, and I can only speak to my own experience, is that what I was running away from and so scared of and so afraid of, and sometimes find myself that way now. This is this by no, anything that I've said here as it by no means to be interpreted that I am above this or beyond this. I still have these things happen every day. I still find myself believing what I'm thinking about what I'm feeling until I don't anymore because I become aware of it. And the soon, and what I really find is the more that I practice mindfulness, the sooner it happens. And then I can suffer less. I don't have to spend as much time uh, locked into uh fighting what you know the way that I am feeling or uh you know fighting against some thought that I'm having that I don't like because I'm so busy believing it and then I realize suddenly 
I'm believing it and I'm holding on to it and identifying with it. And it, it becomes easier to let it go. And I do think that it does. That is one part of the practice that is practice. And that is just letting these thoughts go and being able to return back to not who I think that I am because I'm thinking this thought. Once I let go of that, and it's not about trying to let go, it's just about letting it let go of me. Then at some point, I no longer am identified as anyone that is, uh, that is being affected by this in a way that I don't like. It's just something that's happening. And what I find is that so many things in life that I feel like people are doing to me really is not something that they're doing to me. In many cases, it's I'm doing it to myself because of the way that I think about whatever it is they happen to be doing or not doing. Sometimes I want them to do things and they don't do them. Uh, sometimes I want people to say things and they don't say it. So it's just as much about what people don't do as it is about what they do. And so there again, if I can just become aware and stay aware, and it's not about staying aware 100% of the time, and I can say even after three decades of this practice, that even, that even after all that time, I can't stay aware 100% of the time. But it becomes easier and easier to return back to awareness if I've the longer that we've practiced it, the more that it becomes a way of life, the more that it becomes a habit. And it basically, in some cases, so many habits, and I, don't, I, I hasten to use the word mindless, because then in some ways that could be taken to be a judgment. And I'm not judging that, that these, I'm not judging things by calling them mindless. I'm just realizing in this case, that is just a way really for me to differentiate between all of the thoughts and reactions that I have where I'm not paying any attention whatsoever. And at some point, the idea is to be more mindful. If there is an idea at all, then it is to be open to being more mindful of what is going on. And it really just comes down to a choice of being whether I'm going to be mindful or not of how I am responding to my own thinking and internal reactions. And it really is just a choice that I make over and over again. And, and in the end, what I find is that this person that I spent so many years and sometimes do uh, even now, if I'm not paying attention and if I'm not aware, if I, all this time that I've spent thinking that I know who I am, what I find is that by not taking that seriously at all, there begins to be room for me to be whoever I am without me needing to really understand it or even really be able to speak about it or conceptualize it. It's actually beyond those things. And what I find is the more that I live there, the more relaxed that I am, the more open that I am, the more uh, willing I am to welcome whatever is, whatever is, however it is, however it presents itself. And for me, this is really what the path has been. And I am continuing, hopefully, and hopefully I will continue to make this choice over and over again in the future.